come back to our text today, family, we discover that God and the ark is on the move again. The Philistines have gotten a glimpse of his power, but they yet refuse to follow him and make him their God above their idol gods. Y'all catch that? I say they have experienced his calamity and as a result of rejecting him or his calamity as a result of rejecting him, but have also determined that they want nothing to do with him, even though he proved he was more powerful than their idols. That their plan consisted of sending the ark back to the Israelites by a special cart and then sending with it a trespass offering, which was an act of repentance to say, we're sorry, Yahweh, that we trespassed against you. In spite of their actions, though they repent for offending God, they still won't follow him. And that's just like some people today. God has shown up in your world chastised you because he loved you, revealed himself to you that he's greater than your own personal gods, but still, in spite of him revealing himself to you, you want to repent with an offering, but not give him your life. We're going to learn a lot in this lesson. Let me give you some background. Are you ready? In verses 1 through 8 of chapter 6, we discover that the Philistines' leaders, or the Lord's little L of their country, have gotten together and called a meeting. And as a religious council, they sought wisdom from their, divin- their diviners, or their diviners, or their, 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 their witchcraft people, and asked them, what should we do to get rid of this ark that's caused plagues in our country? That's disturbed uh, rats in our country, right? That's, y'all remember last week he whooped Dagon in his own temple. What do we need to do? Y'all are our preachers. Tell us how to get rid of this God. And so the diviners, diviners came up with a plan. They decided to send the ark back to the people that it belonged to. And then they decided to give Yahweh a trespass offering for offending him. Thirdly, they decided to repent from their actions, but they are really not ready to make him Lord of their lives. They're sorry, but they just don't want a relationship with him. Have you ever met somebody like that? They sorry they got caught. They sorry they lost everything. They recognize God's trying to get their attention. Y'all with me here? But they still ain't ready for a relationship with God. They simply want to give God a trespass offering, a prayer dedicated to something in his honor. Pour out a little beer for God. Amen. Or they may say, I recognize you are the true and living God, but I still want to hold on to my little Dagon. Some of us are that way this morning. 
We want to get rid of God out of our life, even though we recognize our calamity in our own life is a result of his hand against us. What a tragedy. That, that they have the chance to get to know the true and the living God of heaven and earth. What a tragedy. The Philistines had a chance to surrender their lives to him, but they rejected him. What a tragedy. They had a chance to enter into a relationship with the true God of heaven and earth, but they forsook him for a God who didn't have no hands, no head, and no feet. As we open our text today, we get to examine it up close and look at the behavior of those who don't want God, but must be reverent in their dealings with him. Brother Greer, we can learn from this text that God's son is holy. And he requires reverence when sinful men are engaging with him. If you don't remember nothing else, that last sentence, hold it as a thesis from my sermon today. God is holy, and he requires and demands reverence. See, it is possible for you to try to come to God in your own way. And I understand, you know, we live in California where everything's laid back. So we say, just come to God as you are. And I understand what you mean, but I want to put a little asterisk right there. There's some stuff about you you need to change when you're dealing with a holy God. Just, just tuck that away. I'm going to get to it in the rest of my text. I got two points today, just two. Number one, I'm going to talk about the Bechemes test. And then number two, good to see you, Brother Rodney. I'm going to talk about the Bechemes testimony. Y'all in here? Okay, let's work a little bit. In verse 8 we find that the Philistines try out a plan or a test to see if they can get God to leave. The Bible calls it, or we call it the Bethshemes test. The verse number eight, it explains. The Bible says that these diviners told the lords of the Philistines, take the ark of the Lord and set it on a cart. And put the articles of gold, the rats and the tumors, that you want to give to him as an offering, in a chest beside the cart. Y'all with me here? And then send it away. They said, let it go. And then I like verse 9. It says, and watch it. Here's the test. The test is, if it goes up the road on its own, to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then we know he was the one who did this great evil to us. But if not, then we'll know it's not his hand that struck us. It just happened to us by chance. And then look what they do. The Bible says they take two milk cows and they hitch them to the cart and they shut up the calves at home and they set the ark of the Lord on the card and the chest with the gold, the rats, the images of the tumors. And in verse 12, then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh. And they went along the highway, lowing as they went. Now, this is loaded, so I'm going to need you to be patient as I unpack it, okay? 
because I don't like to leave any food on the table. The best Shemesh test conducted by the Philistines, here it is, in the best sentence I could give you, was to test and see if Yahweh was the source of their calamity. Y'all, can y'all understand that? Okay, they determined to test him by sending the ark away with a trespass offering back to Israel. Now, if the ark left on its own and headed back to its country, they would affirm that it was Yahweh that brought the calamity on them. However, if the ark did not leave their presence, they would determine that he had nothing to do with it, and they made it up on their own. But here's the observation. That's the test. But here's the observation you have to pay close attention to. They took two milk cows. Somebody say female cows. Or farmers call them heifers, right? Who had never been used in any type of service. Y'all with me here? In other words, they were not taught to be yoked to work in a field. And they strapped the cart to two untamed female cows, right? And then the, the, the little box with their offering to Yahweh on the side. But notice this. This is interesting. Because the female cows were milk cows. It is said that the female cow never separates herself from her calves. Are you with me here? And to separate them is to cause great conflict inside of the female cow. And it would be totally unnatural for a nursing cow to leave her young. So the Philistines understand that because these are milk cows, this is going to really be a test. If this is God, these cows going to recognize him as God. And they going to forsake everything, even their young, even though they've never been strapped to a cart before, and they're going to follow the instruction of their creator. That text is loaded, ain't it? Can I say some more? The Bible says that the cows, y'all, Headed straight, y'all see it, for the road to Beth Shemesh. Now, and it went along the highway, lowing as they went. Now, that's loaded, so I got to unpack that part, okay? Notice this. Here we discover that the cows, I already told you about their, their background, they get on the road and they go to Beth Shemesh. Well, you know, a good writer, a good Bible student is going to ask, what is Bethshemesh, right? The name in the Hebrew means the house of the sun. The S-U-N. But that's a picture of the house of the sun. The S-O-N. Okay, I got more. I got more for you, right? The Bethshemesh, or the house of the sun, was the... Uh, community of the Levites. The Levites were responsible for handling the ark. 
out of all the 12 tribes, the Levites have the responsibility for caring for everything in the temple. So when these cows gets on the road, they're not going to the tribe of Benjamin. They're not going to the tribe of Ephraim. Y'all would, they are going back to those who had care and responsibility for handling the ark. They were the ones lost it. God is returning it back to the... I love this book. Can I say some more? God is literally driving his ark back to those who were responsible for ministering to the people in the tribes. In other words, God was orchestrating his departure. The Philistines thought it was their test. No, God was working that thing the whole time. Just like Israel thought they lost the ark. Remember I tell you, God's people never lose. God allowed for the Philistines to win so he could reveal himself to the Philistines. Can I talk to you? Just like America seems to be on a decline. I know y'all listening to all the pundits. Listen, but I want you to know something. God's people never lose in the world. Whenever God allows calamity to happen to you, number one, he's getting your attention. And he's getting the attention of those who are oppressing you. God is using everything in my life and your life. To elevate himself so that he can get the glory. If you believe it, high five somebody and tell them, I believe that. I believe that. He was moving once again. The ark was on the move. And God was going to use Israel's enemies to use his own creation, and this is what really got me, thank you, Lord, to announce his entrance back in the house of Bethshemis. What do you mean? The text says, Tate, as the cows were going on the road, they were lowing. Y'all been in the country? Mm. Come on, help me some cow sounds in here. Y'all with me here? God is using his own cows as the witnesses of his second coming. They ain't lowing for no reason at all. They letting the, the Levites know Yahweh is coming. Are you with me here? And they are lowing all the way from the Philistines to the outskirts of Bethshemesh. Now it's said that Bethshemesh was some 15 miles outside of Jerusalem. That's a lot of lowing, y'all. And they are, watch this now, they are pulling the cart, yes, in obedience to their creator. Look at this, you guys. They do what no one else could get them to do. 
Because they were unyoked, they were untrained, you couldn't just strap an unyoked cart to a cow and tell it to do something. I don't care how good you were. They ain't been trained for that. Secondly, you could never get a mama cow to separate herself from her baby cow. Unless you God. So this assignment calls for them to live in total obedience to the will of their creator. So they take to the road lowing as they went. Now, this moaning sound would have been heard from anyone close to the road or the countryside. Again, it was an announcement that said the ark is on the way. These cows are a picture, y'all, of what it means to be a living sacrifice. Separated to God for his honor and his glory. Can I tell you something else? This was a one-way trip. They wasn't coming back. Call it a death mission if you want to. But they were called and set aside by God to carry his presence back to his people, knowing that the end thereof meant death. There was no seeing their babies again. There was no returning back to life the way it was. There was no second return to that old way. And because they accepted the offering and the sacrifice they knew was what was expected of them. Can I turn the light on right there? I wish we had a cow mentality. When God saved you, he put you on a mission to love until he comes. And your life on this side is to be lived without a second return to the old way you used to live. Your life is supposed to end in death because you are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And if you live in any other type of way, as the homies say, you live in foul. I heard Jesus say, if any man will come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. I heard Paul say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If God has called you, he said, listen, those I've called, let no man put his hand to the plow and look back. Because if he looks back, he's unfit for the kingdom of God. Look at your neighbor, tell him, become a picture for us of what it looks like to forsake all and follow the will of the Lord can I ask a question what are you scared to give up what are you afraid of that you can't give God everything I like this text because it opens up for me too that God, God can use whatever he wants to use in the earth to bring him honor and glory. He could have used a thousand different creatures. But he chose to use the milk kind. The, the cow. 
Another observation I see in this text is that Israel is going to discover shortly that God, watch this now, this is good, daughter Carrie, has not abandoned them. Come on. God has not left them, Lisa. He has unfinished business with his people. Can I say some more right there? We, we can learn from this passage, y'all, that God ain't finished with you. You might have messed up like Israel. You may have dropped the ark in the midst of some drama. You may have gotten off track with what God had you doing. But I stopped by to tell you, he know where you at. And he's got a way of finding his way back to you. Can I make sense? God is revealing to us in the text that I love me some you. And I ain't, I'm, I ain't finished with you. You may thought you were finished with me, but it ain't over till I say God has a plan to reveal himself to Israel. They were in mourning over the loss of the ark. But God is going to communicate with them through these circumstances. Can I park the car and pastor right here? Daughter Kathy, somebody needs to know, love, that, that God wants to communicate with them through their circumstances. I know you ain't got the perfect marriage. I know you ain't raising the perfect kids. I know you may be homeless. You ain't got a place to live and your circumstances seem awful. But I stopped by to tell you God is still speaking. He speaks in your circumstances. He's speaking through your obstacles. He's speaking through your seasons of grief and discouragement. He speaks through calamity. God is on the throne. He knows where you are. And somebody here today needs to know that God is talking to you because he has unfinished business with you. He knows just where you are. Just like he knew where the Levites were in Bethlehem. Can I talk to you today? They didn't have to send out an SOS. God, do you see me? God, do you care? Of course he sees them. And of course he cares. And he was on his own mission to restore, to revive, to renew, to regulate some stuff that was wrong in the relationship with his people and with him. Come on, tell your neighbor, he's still in the reconciliation. He's still in the... I thought y'all get more excited about that. I, I lost some sleep over that. I was... They, they, they thought they lost the ark. And they were responsible, the, Israel, the, the Levites were. And they thought they failed God. Have you ever been there? Come on, don't play church with me. Yeah. Ever feel like you let God down? Yeah. Yeah. Ever, ever feel like, man, God, if you just give me one more chance? Yeah. That's where they were, living with that. And then God showed up. When the time was right, he showed up. When the time was right, he orchestrated the events. 
of his own return back to Bethshemesh. I told you earlier why, because he had unfinished business with Israel. He loved Israel, was working in Israel, was shaping her to be his people, because through them he was going to bless us. So it's not so much that Israel deserved another chance. God was giving them because God had placed his money on Israel. <laughs> That's an anthropomorphic expression. Now, that don't really mean that God need money, y'all. Okay, all right, all right. Y'all got what I'm saying. Is there anybody here today that knows God has unfinished business with you? Is there anybody here that knows God ain't through with you yet? Ha! Where my people at? Where my people at? Is there anybody here that needs to be reminded that God has a lot more for you to do for him? Come on, the tears ought to be flowing right through here. You may have messed up, but God ain't through with you yet. You may have walked away from God, but he knows where you are. You may have acted out of character, but he still loves you. You may have wandered from your ministry to him, but he has unfinished business with you. Take just like the Levites, he knows where we live. I want you to remember that next time you mess up and the devil lied to you. Try to tell you you're disqualified. God can't use you because you messed up. Just, just pointing back to 1 Samuel chapter 6. Better than that, just go. He'll know what text you're talking about. Here he comes. Or as we say in Alabama, yonder he goes. Lowing up the country road. Coming back to restore a relationship that had been broken. Well, that was the Bethshemesh test, but let me give you the Bethshemesh testimony. How am I doing, family? Verse 13. Keep your Bibles open. Let's walk through the text. The Bible says, <clears throat> now, the people of Bethshemesh, the house of the sun, the Levites, look at this. They were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. Y'all catch that? And they lifted their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Let me unpack this. I didn't get to put this in my note, but it came to me this morning as I rolled out of bed. They were separated from God because the ark was gone. But life kept going. And they working in the field, hoping that God ain't mad and will not give them a crop. But the seasons kept coming. Somebody missed me. I, let me work right there for a minute. I said the seasons kept coming. Even though they were distant from God, he kept feeding them. Even though they were distant from God, he kept them with an occupation. 
even though they were distant from God, Garcia, the blessings were still coming in. They're in the field reaping a blessing they don't deserve. When they look up to see the blessing that they need. Y'all in here? And it's coming on the cart. Look at this now. The text gets interesting. And it gets off the road. Y'all see it? Verse 14. And it comes into the field of Yeshua or Joshua. And it stood there next to a large stone. Can I say some more? Here he comes up the road. When they see it and hear them lowing, the cows go off the road and are coming toward them, but they have to go through the field of Yeshua. That's Jesus. They're Levites. Joshua, who owns the field, is a Levite. His name, mama named him Yeshua. Oh, come on, y'all. They're in the holy place of God, in the holy city of God, where the Levites are called to serve God. And in order for them to get restored, God's got to bring them, yes, his presence back into their existence. Look at this. So you know God is in it. They didn't have to tell the cow to stop. The cow stopped right at the altar. It's almost as if he's saying, I'm back in your life. I'm back in your presence. Now worship me. And just in case you don't have an offering, I brought you one. What you mean you don't have no wood? That's a wood right there. Am I making sense? Can I work this right here? Now, the text takes an interesting turn in that it's giving the Levites a testimony for what God can do if you just wait on him. Right? But look what they do in verse 15. This, uh, I missed this part in my notes. I'll, I'll, they're on Facebook. Go get them if you want them. But it's the invitation. God's giving them an invitation to come and worship him again. He's giving them an invitation, Sister Wilson, to, to know that he loves them. And he's not, never far from them. The Bible says that the Levites took down the ark. I'm in verse 15 of the Lord. They took down the ark of the Lord. And they also take the chest with the golden articles in it. And they, 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 the men of Beshemes circle that. The men of Beshemes. They offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. A friend in my library and I were conversing about this text. You guys know I have a problem. I talk to inanimate objects. And my books talk back to me. This friend says to me, Angelus, though they're acting in a priestly fashion, and though the people prepare themselves 
to give a great sacrifice to celebrate the ark's return. They do it, Dr. Beckel, and what my friend called was a reckless act. Say, what do you mean, Pastor? It's not the high priest who takes the cows and prepares the sacrifice. It's the men in the community. They're Levites, but no Levite had the authority to take the animal and kill it as a sacrifice unto God. The Levites only had the authority to handle the ark. And in their handling of the ark, here's what it said. The, the, the Levites could only carry it by cart, but they were never supposed to look at it, to look on it, and always to keep it covered before God's people. But in their excitement, yes, they not only killed the cow and erect the altar, but they offer the cows as a sacrifice, and they offer the foreign gods as a sacrifice. Tell somebody they didn't know no better. Can I give you a second thing that's wrong? In Leviticus, God would never accept a female off a female animal as an offering. The male animals were to be set apart for the sacrifice unto God. Can I tell you that Adam came before Eve? God wants the firstborn and it must be a male. So what they do is they offer two female cows who were not there to be offered as a sacrifice. So somewhere in their Levitical duties, they got absent-minded behind what God had called them to do. Can I argue right here for you? Don't that happen to us when we get out of church too long? Start praying different kind of prayers. Start worshiping different kind of ways. And forget that God has order. When it comes to his worship and God has a, a direct pattern for what he wants you to give to him, any old offering won't do. I like this text. I'm reading it and I'm trembling for them, Brother Gray, but I can't help but see the mercy of God. In the text. So though they offer the wrong offering, though they do it the wrong way, God have mercy on them. He don't kill them. Did y'all catch that? He lets them live. Then the text goes on to say, and I'm humping it off because I know y'all tired. I'm humping it off. But the, the verse goes on to say that in verses 16 through 19, the writer Samuel does something different in the text. He informs us that the lords of the Philistines are watching what happens. 
And they're looking from afar, and they see that, okay, they've killed the cows, they put them on the rock, they set the offering, they burnt our, our gold things with it, and they leave. They leave to go back to their town. And then Samuel, as if he is saying that the Philistines approved of their superstition. That they believed that God had accepted their sacrifice. And that's wrong. The only sacrifice God accepts is repentance. True repentance. Are you with me here? Just because he don't whoop you no more after you have rejected him or sent him away. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. Does not mean he approves of your decision or your actions. Come on in here. Let me talk to you. Somebody who think you can do life without God. Somebody who think God, God ain't whooping me. Maybe things are all right. Somebody who believes that, you know, I'm going to do me and me and God, we got an understanding. So look, ain't no other curses coming. I guess he accepted my sacrifice. No, what he did was sent you on your way. For you to fall into your own calamity. Because the very next verse in verse 19 shows that he deals different with his own people when it comes to their rejection or their disobedience toward him. Verse 19, the Bible says, then he struck. Y'all see that? The men of Beth Shemesh. Why, pastor? Because they looked into the ark. And he struck 50,070 men of the people. And the people lamented because the Lord has struck the people with great slaughter. I'm almost through. I'm on my way down. According to Torah, the Torah, the first five books of Moses, Numbers 4, 5, and 6 say that no Israelite outside the Aaronic priesthood was permitted to see the interior or exterior of the ark. God had certain restrictions on who could handle or touch the ark. But these people, here they are, here they go. Uh, these people, because they got back into the worship mode, thought that in their worship they could approach the ark any way they wanted to. Oh, here I come. And as a result, Bruce, they got over familiar with God. Can I tell you it's possible in your worship to get over familiar? Well, you start calling God the man upstairs. The big fella. My homie. Me and JC. That's over familiarity. And you ought to approach God in his holiness and all that he is. Don't you let a pagan culture make you change the way you approach your God. Come on in here. Y'all listening? All these rappers y'all like. Some of them call themselves Christian rappers. They try to bring down the holiness of God, tampering with the reverence of God so that a hip-hop culture can think they have access to God. Be careful. 
what strange worship you embrace. Be careful the way you approach God in prayer. Be careful about the misappropriation of his scripture. Y'all always hear me say, don't make it up. Look it up. Why? Because God is holy. What these guys do here is, look, they're already in an act of worship. And they started off wrong. They offered the wrong cows. They took the golden statues from the enemy and offered them too. Y'all in here? They doing what they seen church people do. And then... They get so happy with their worship and thinking that they've done something, they decide to look in the holy of holies as if they had access and knew all along they were wrong. Well, I got to leave you now. Thank you for your patience. Lokalani, my daughter, here's what I want to say. This was a picture of worship. Gone bad. Sean, this was a picture, son, of getting too familiar with God. Uh, You know, a higher power. Believing that all gods are the same. You can call him Buddha. You can call him Allah. You know. You're the secular humanist. You can call him anything. No, you can't. He has names for a reason. But this picture is a picture of getting too casual with the things of God. Getting too casual before the throne of God. And this is simply a good warning, and I hope to get to this text. A good warning to keep your hands off of God's stuff. God has some stuff that he set apart that's holy unto him. Can I tell you that marriage is his stuff? Can I tell you he made you a man for a reason? He made you a woman for a reason? And you going tampering with his stuff because you ain't happy with what he made you? Can I tell you that children are his stuff? Can I tell you that the church is his? You might not like it. You may think you don't need it. But you better keep your hands off of it. I think I want to close with this thought. Always remember, family, just because God gives you a pass once or twice for your carnal lifestyle, don't think he won't take you out of here. If he give you life, he ain't got no problem with taking it. Just because God gives you a pass once in your over-familiarity of him doesn't mean that he'll not correct you if you continue in your carnal mindset. 
Just because God gives you a pass doesn't mean you'll get that pass again. Last week I gave the analogy of my mama who always would give me that pass. I'm going to whoop you, boy. Keep it up. Keep it up. And at one time when I ain't expecting it. Y'all with me here? All mama break loose on me. Amen. I'm out of passes. Y'all catch it? I'm closing when I tell you this. We can learn in this text today that God is holy. And his worship is holy. Can I break this down for you? I don't just mean these. I don't just mean us singing songs in here. When we are set apart unto God, our entire life is an act of worship. How I work on my job, how I study in school, how I live in community with my neighbor, all of that is worship. Did y'all know that? It's not just worship doesn't stop when you walk to the parking lot. No, worship continues. So everything about you belongs to God and your life is lived as an act of worship unto God. And therefore, because it's an act of worship unto God, God is with you everywhere you go. Now that's scary, ain't it? Because when you think about what you was doing last night or Friday night, you didn't know you was doing it with God, did you? If you are saved in this house, you're set apart for him. If you're saved in this house, it matters how your life is lived unto God. I know this sermon makes you uncomfortable. It should. Amen. Look, Jesus is the perfect picture of one who was called and set apart whose life was lived as an act of worship unto the Father. Stay with me. Stay with me. <clears throat> as Jesus lived unto God, Zuniga, we ought to live unto God. He showed us how to do it. As Jesus served the Father, we ought to serve the Father. As Jesus' life, Garcia, was an act of worship to God, we ought to live in the same manner. As an act of worship to God. Listen, if you got the Holy Spirit like Jesus had the Holy Spirit, you without excuse. I can see if we was in the Old Testament and, and the Spirit hadn't come and descended and lived on us yet. But we without excuse. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. We too, Billings, must only do what the Father tells us to do. And as a living sacrifice, Jesus gave up his life. Didn't he do it? So that you and I would be saved. He died on the cross. Watch this. In a holy act of worship unto God. You say, Pastor, how could you say that? You know he was the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. You know he was our high priest. Who went on our behalf in the holies of holies as his act of worship unto the Father. Calvary was an act of worship of Jesus to the Father. 
And as our high priest, it was his holy honor to act as that sacrifice for his father. His life was God-ordained. He handled it the right way. He died. He was buried. And he was raised up again by the father because of his obedience and his act of worship to our God. I also believe God raised him because he was pleased with his offering. When we want God to be pleased with our offering, we'll obey him in every area of our life. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.